We are back and this episode was inspired by a post that I put up across my social media. And this post was a little bit of an aha for me where I was like, wow, so much has changed in one year. And it got way more traction, particularly on my personal Facebook page than I ever envisioned. I didn't do it for the engagement. I literally did it to celebrate myself and to realize how much progress was made. And then what I did, just a quick behind the scenes, it was a written long form caption. I did a voiceover to post it to TikTok because you can't post static posts on TikTok. And I honestly found myself listening to this over and over. And every time it just hit me in a different way. So this episode is going to be all about me in some ways, but I promise it's going to be about you. So I'm curious, are you the type who wants to see the behind the scenes, the person behind the professional? This is something I value and I want to let you into my world. I want you to understand why I choose to show up and serve you, why autism is such a passion and how serving autism families has become a passion and one that fills my soul more than I ever dreamed of and how my dream has shifted over time. So today's episode is going to help you get to know me from the standpoint of my career. We will dive more into my training, my previous job as a researcher and academic, and why I launched the Dr. Tay brand. In future episodes, we're also going to talk about my life experiences and what I learned about autism throughout childhood. And I am even going to let you into my healing journey now. So this is kind of a part one, so to speak. I think it's going to help you gain a better insight and grasp the motivation I have for what I do and in particular for developing the whole family approach. So we'll touch on that a little bit today. I will share some of my biggest lessons and insights for families I have learned. I was thinking about this and this is what made me be like, great, I have this post. I want to turn this into an episode because I was like, Wow, there are so many lessons in this that I think you as a parent of an autistic child can really take from this. So I promise by the end of this episode, you will have takeaways that actually impact your family lives. I'm Dr. Tay, a licensed child psychologist and parental mindset coach specializing in autism. I've supported hundreds of autistic children and their families and have been in the autism field for over a decade. I'm the host of Evolve, the podcast where we have real conversations that are designed for autism parents just like you. Each week, we will discuss topics that directly impact your life, from providing psychoeducation about autism and neurodiversity to talking about your personal growth, well-being, and evolution as a parent. We dive into it all. Just keep in mind, nothing shared on this podcast is clinical advice, and you should consult with a medical or mental health provider if you need more support. Now, let's get to talking about my career trajectory and the lessons and insights I share now with the families I work with. Like I mentioned, this episode was inspired by a post on my social media, and I needed to get the words out. I needed to celebrate the progress that I had made, the evolution I have had. And I wrote it and I kept reading it over and over. And then once it was turned into a TikTok, I did a voiceover, I kept listening to it over and over. And 
I just got so many kind words from it, especially on Facebook. It was not the goal of it whatsoever. But it was an aha for me that I needed to tell more of my story here. I'm going to read the post to you now so you can get the feel of this episode and what I'm talking about. The context is I'm recording this in January of 2023. So depending when you're listening to this, have that in mind because the post references it. One year, that's all it took to create a completely different trajectory. I was thinking about where I was this time last year. I had my dream job, yet I was planning my escape. Not because the job was miserable, but because I was miserable. Not because the job didn't match the description, but because my passions no longer matched the description. Not because I worked in some horrible environment, but because the environment didn't foster the depth I craved. I remember feeling so anxious and realizing I needed to tell my very supportive boss that academia was no longer my dream. God, that anxiety was overwhelming. I obsessed day in and day out how I was going to leave, how I was going to tell her. It would have been easy to keep the status quo, to move from a postdoc to an assistant professor as expected. But I knew I couldn't. I knew I was losing myself in academia. I look back and I honestly cannot believe how much has changed. I run my own concierge private practice. I do things differently than I was ever trained. I offer high-touch services that are rare in the mental health field. Families have unlimited access to me. Yep, you heard that right. I have a coaching business in addition to being a licensed psychologist. Why? Because I wanted to create an avenue to support parents of autistic children in a way that didn't yet exist. I have a Facebook community, a social media presence, a podcast. Most of the mentors I had in my training would probably die to know this, because I'm breaking the tradition of our field. Here's the thing I realized. Status quo is one of the most dangerous factors we face. It keeps us stuck. It consumes our creativity and innovation. It creates resentment. So this time last year, I knew it was time to make a change. The wheels started turning. And it wasn't because it was January. It was because I finally started to believe in myself. I finally learned that my self-worth wasn't tied to another manuscript or grant. I finally discovered my passion, and I finally embraced my fear. One year, that's all it takes. Can you show up for your 2024 self right now? Challenge the status quo, my friend. Challenge it. Woo! I feel like even reading that, like it, I feel the emotions. And I hope as I was reading that, that you put yourself in this place. Are you living a life of status quo? Are you just doing things because it's what you should be doing and not because what you're truly passionate about? And we think even on the advocacy side, are you doing things for your child because that's what you've been told to do, even though your instinct as a parent is telling you, nope, that isn't right for my child, which I've had an episode on previously, episode five, are you losing your voice? But I think it's relevant here. And the other piece of this is the hope that I hope it gives you that in one year, how much can change? I have the absolute honor to work with families in a really intimate way and get to support them. And actually thinking, especially doing early intervention work, I hear a lot like, am I gonna ever hear my child's voice? And here's the thing, so much can change in one year. 
And some of what can change, sometimes it's, yes, you will get to hear your child's voice, but sometimes the change is the shift in expectation for you. Maybe there's ways your child is trying to communicate with you and you aren't even tuning into those yet. Maybe that's what's going to change is you finally feel like you know how to communicate effectively with your child, that there's that connection there. Also, this could be the beginning of your journey with autism. It could feel really hard or you could be in a season that it is incredibly hard. And think about what can change in one year. This season that feels so hard right now isn't permanent. And there is a lot of status quo in the autism field. And we're going to dive into this later. You know, I'm going to keep showing up and talking about this. Like, I want you to be willing to break through those walls of status quo. That status quo, let me read this part again. It keeps us stuck. It consumes our creativity and innovation. It creates resentment. It could be keeping you stuck as a parent of an autistic child. It could be consuming your creativity and innovation, ways that you might be able to support your child. It could be creating resentment. Everything you're doing, maybe you're noticing feelings of resentment because you're following the status quo. But also, what about you as a human, right? It's not just about your child and how to support them. What about you as a human? Are you feeling stuck right now? Are you feeling like your creativity and innovation is completely zapped? Is it creating resentment for you? And again, there's hard phases of being a parent of an autistic child. And there's times that it's like sometimes the status quo is just keeping you in the day-to-day, that it's not allowing you to dream and envision something bigger. I do want you to know, though, that you can challenge status quo and should challenge it. So something specific on your child that I hear, things like nonverbal children don't communicate. You need to do ABA. Girls cannot have autism. Vaccines cause autism. Some of that status quo, some of that is misinformation, but it's like, what is known, right? All of these are false though, but they were once strongly believed. So even if they're not status quo right now, they were at one point. And the reason they might not be status quo right now is people were willing to break the mold, to challenge all of that. Your child is trying to communicate with you. Maybe not in traditional ways, and by traditional, I mean neurotypical ways, because that's the way our world is set up. You don't need to do ABA. If you don't want to do ABA therapy, don't. Listen to your intuition as a parent. Girls absolutely can have autism, and we see this. Sometimes we just have to be willing to open our mind into how symptoms might look different. And just for the record, y'all, vaccines don't cause autism. The causes of autism are way more complex than that. They also know that data was falsified in that initial study that said vaccines caused autism. And they've done recurrent studies after that to show there isn't a link. And more importantly, one of the things that can conflate this is the, the age window your child gets vaccines are typically the age window we start to see symptoms of autism. So I digress on that point, but status quo, we were willing to break it. Let's dive into a little bit about my background. I want to paint the picture for you of what my career path was supposed to be. Y'all, I was not supposed to be here on a podcast right now. I can tell you that much. And I wasn't supposed to be on social media. I wasn't supposed to be owning my own businesses, right? But I'm here. I'm just like 
pumped to be here. I started at the University of Michigan for my bachelor's degree. Go blue. I'm a huge Wolverines fan. Like if you see me during college football season, you're going to be like, this is a different side of her. I am crazy about college football and Michigan and all of that. If Oh, I won't go into this, but we missed the national championship this year. I was supposed to be there. That was a heartbreak. That's how much I love Michigan. And I am like a diehard fan of my alma mater. But let me get back to the point in this. So right away going into college, I knew I wanted to work with autistic children. That was a passion. And that connects back to my personal experience growing up with autism being in my family. I knew from a very young age what autism was. And I knew I wanted to help in that way. So I was initially pursuing a MD, obviously not in undergrad, but that was my plan to pursue an MD. I am the type of person like, I can really think into the future. Like I can visualize all of it. I know what I want. I go after it. I've always been like this. So I started as a neuroscience. Well, I graduated with a neuroscience degree even, but thinking I was going into medicine and then I got connected with research and I was like, wait a minute, I want to do research. This is amazing. And I eventually realized that a PhD in clinical psychology was the way to go. I could get trained in research at the same time of doing clinical work. Fun little fact. I never planned to do clinical work. Even at that point in my undergrad, I was like, okay, I'm gonna become an autism researcher. So then I graduate, I'm originally from Pennsylvania, moved back to Pennsylvania. I went to Michigan, quick aside, maybe this will also explain like why I am so loyal to my alma mater. I was a college athlete, a D1 athlete at Michigan. I was a coxswain on the rowing team. I did that for all four years. I did it in high school as well. So I I had just started in research and to get into PhD, programs, you need a lot of research experience. So I moved back to Pennsylvania, got a job at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center as a research assistant, worked there for three years doing autism research. Then I got into grad school at Florida State University, and that's where I did my doctorate, although I did my master's in route to my doctorate. That's pretty typical in the clinical psychology world. And so my degree is clinical psychology. Some programs will train you as a child psychologist. I wasn't trained in that way. I was trained really broadly, meaning I worked with adults and I worked with all the different mental health disorders. I actually now really, really appreciate how broad my training was because I couldn't have predicted what my life would be like right now. But the thing with it is from the get-go, I specialized in autism. My mentor was one of the top researchers in early childhood and early autism screening. She actually was a speech-language pathologist by training. And then when you get a PhD in the speech-language pathology world, it's called communication and science disorders. But she was allowed to accept psychology students. So I was in the PhD program for psychology. She was a speech-language pathologist by training. And that aspect of having someone train you that's in a different field has been such an advantage because I know so much about speech and language and all of that. And she also had doctoral students that were in that field as well. So it was cool, that interdisciplinary nature. But give this context, I still was on this like, I am going into research. I knew exactly what I wanted, what was called a soft money position, meaning I wanted to be in an academic medical center where I was writing grants and my salary was coming from getting those research grants. So it's a really competitive field. It can be really, really stressful. 
But before I graduated, you had to do a clinical psychology internship. So if you heard my episode on neurodiversity, I talked about teaching clinical psychology, what I called residence in that episode. That is a clinical psychology internship. It's a one-year clinical intensive before you get your PhD. I did that at Duke University. It was my top site. Another autism researcher was there who, again, specialized in early childhood and autism, but particularly on the early intervention side. So I knew I wanted to do that to kind of round out my training. I got a ton of training on early diagnostics at Florida State, but I wanted to dive more into the early intervention side. So went to Duke University and I wouldn't have admitted this at the time. So I'm still imagining I'm going into a research position. I talk about that through and through. I talked about how much I didn't like clinical work, but Duke is where I started to fall in love with clinical work. I wasn't ready to admit that yet, but I had this mentor who made me think differently about clinical work, who taught me how to really connect with my patients in a way that I had never been trained to do so before. And I think that that was really impactful. But again, I was going into research. So then I went back to the University of Pittsburgh, got my dream job as a postdoctoral scholar doing research. So I was on a National Institutes of Health training grant called a T32, where basically my role was to do research full time and then learn how to start writing my own grants. The pandemic actually hit in my internship. So while I was at Duke, uh, but then obviously continued as I moved into Pitt. And I just think I learned how to slow down. I also hired a coach myself and started really doing a lot of personal development work. And that's also when I decided to become a coach. But I started to notice that I wasn't as happy as I had envisioned writing grants and writing manuscripts all the time. That's what I was doing day in and day out. I had one day of clinical work a week and I started to really look forward to my Fridays. That's when I would see patients. And I thought that was so odd at the time because I was like, I'm a researcher through and through, not realizing my dream had changed. And eventually I came to terms with that. I think that one of the things that was pivotal was becoming a coach, but also learning how to disconnect my self-worth from my achievements. I'm a high achiever by nature. I always have been. And realizing that there was more to life than just checking things off the list. What's next? What's next? What's next? That's the mindset I always lived in. It wasn't serving me. It really, really wasn't. And when I learned how to start to let some of that go, I started to realize this identity of high achiever also started to go. Now, don't get me wrong. I have big goals for my business and obviously big goals to connect with more of you and all of that. It's not that I don't still dream. It's not that I don't still have goals, but I don't need those to know who I am as a person, if that makes sense quick aside, I was with a network marketing company. It was a makeup company. Makeup is totally not my thing, even though I love working with this company and partnering with this company. And network marketing taught me how to show up on social media and some of the business elements. There was a lot more learning once I launched my own businesses, but it gave me the confidence to be able to do that. So then I launched my coaching business and right around that time was like, hmm, am I gonna leave academia? And that's when in January of 2022, I started to be like, I'm leaving academia. I didn't actually tell my boss though until February of 2022. So that month was, like I said, full of anxiety. What I realized that I was missing 
is I wanted to be able to have more access to families' lives, to be able to support them in a way that research wasn't giving me. I wanted to have a direct impact. I wanted to get to know the families I worked with. I also wanted to be able to use this whole family approach. I realized what's so missing is support for parents in this. And if I had stayed in research or even in like academic medicine on the clinical side, I wouldn't have been able to innovate in the way that I wanted to. I also realized that I wanted to have this emphasis on neurodiversity. And that would have been possible. And actually what inspired me to start learning about neurodiversity was the research world. But again, I wanted to do things my way. And I realized by staying in a position, even if I had moved from research to clinical in that like university, again, there's nothing wrong with what they're doing. It just wasn't lighting my soul on fire. And so for a long time, it was hard to admit this. I, I found myself being unhappy and I'm like, am I okay? Like, am I depressed? The answer is I wasn't depressed. I only felt this way when I was doing research. It wasn't lighting my soul on fire in the way that it used to, but I was scared. I was scared. Like this was my dream. How do I let my dream go? Maybe you're listening to this and you're like, you have things that have been on your heart and fear is holding you back. So finally, there were a lot of things that came together and I was like, you know what? I'm going all in. I'm doing this. I launched my private practice in June of 2022 and that started taking off, realizing the way that I was doing clinical care was so different and families really valued it to have that more direct access to me. They get sessions with me each week, but they also are able to ask me questions and gain that support outside a session. Plus I'm doing a lot of care coordination and all of that. And so I think all of it came together that this is what I was meant to do myself. And then it started unfolding more and more. I actually, for the first time ever, did this thing called breath work. And it's a really specific breathing pattern that kind of creates an effect like psychedelics do. You're not on psychedelics, just FYI. You have DMT in your body, but breathwork can create that. And so it allows you to tap into other parts of your body, a little bit more of your subconscious. And that was part of it. I literally was like, I am meant to do more. Have you ever had that feeling like you're meant to do more? Yet the logical side of you is being like, no, nah, no, nope, you got to hold yourself back, right? That's too scary. That's too risky. And so that was a huge pivotal point for me is that breath work session. And then also I hired a business coach. Once I knew I wanted to do this, then I hired a business coach to start working with. It was around that January time last year, started working with her in a group capacity first, and now I work with her one-on-one, -on -one, and she is the person that's really challenged me to go full steam ahead, to create the vision that I wanted and do what I want, and that it is okay, even in the business world or in the therapy world, to break status quo. So that is a little bit about me. I wanted to share all of that because, again, let you into my world. I started out as a researcher. So how that benefits you, y'all, I'm great at reading research. A lot of times there's autism organizations that publish the top research articles of the year. So the top research articles for 2022 should be coming out soon. So maybe we'll have to do an episode on that where I break down 
what are the research findings? Because research is not digestible for families. And that was a piece of this is I just felt like research is necessary. It's important. It just didn't light my soul on fire. And I wanted to have direct impact. And I would say research is indirect impact. It shapes our policies and our procedures. I think it's a little slow behind the time. Like I even think about something like neurodiversity and the research world is starting to come around to that, but it's slow, right? Versus I can go full steam ahead with my private practice and being like, I need to educate myself on neurodiversity. We're gonna talk about it on this podcast. I'm gonna bring it into my private practice. I'm gonna bring it into my coaching curriculum, working with parents so they can start to work on it and understanding it as well. So the lay of the land of who I became over the last year and how much it has changed. And so again, I hope you take hope from this. I hope you see that a lot can change in a year if you're willing to let go of the status quo and fear is going to keep you stuck. It's going to say, no, 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 that's too scary to do. That's too dangerous to do. But if you're willing to be like, I know I can do this. Have that belief in yourself. You might need to get support in this area, work on some of your mindset. This is some of what I am so excited in group coaching to be able to work with parents on is not only helping to connect more with their child and helping to educate them on neurodiversity and helping them to start to empower themselves, to dream bigger, to realize what is gonna light their soul on fire. And so I'm so excited to be able to do that. I realized I got off on a a side tangent, but my point is I can digest research for you too. So I wanna bring research into clinical practice where you can learn about it, but it feels digestible for you. Now, other lessons and insights that I have learned as I wrap up this episode is number one, I want you to know that you make the decisions. I made the decisions for my life, which changed my trajectory. And you make the decisions for your life. Sometimes it can feel like other people are making the decisions for you. But do remember, it is your car. You are in the driver's seat. Are you going to let someone be a backseat driver? Or are you going to take a hold of the wheel and go the route that you want by following your instinct? I say this all the time, but find providers that also listen to you. That's part of breaking status quo. If you get a provider that is like, this is what we do, and you're like, no, we don't, and they're not listening, get a better provider. Get a provider that actually empowers you as the expert of your child and really values your intuition. Also, find providers who are willing to advance their knowledge about autism. It is an ever-changing field. And if they're not willing to keep up with the research, that's the thing. I don't regret my background whatsoever. One, it shaped me into who I am. But now I know how to go read the research. I know how to stay up to date. And what I've learned is research doesn't tell it all. Part of my evolution as a provider is listening to autistic individuals and listening to you as parents of what you need but find a provider who is still willing to learn, who isn't just gonna tell you to do something because that's the way it's always been. Know that one year can make a difference for your family too. It can feel painful and hard and challenging to say you need help, but just know that this isn't hopeless. Sometimes you need that extra support, but the circumstance you're in right now is not hopeless. There is hope in all of this. And maybe some of that hope you get from this podcast to realize that things can change. Be a voice to challenge status quo when you feel ready, okay? That's the key. When you feel ready, 
be that voice. Help others learn about autism. I do want you to keep in mind that this is not an obligation. You are not obligated to help others learn about autism. It's only if you want to. But people hearing outside voices, people outside of our world, outside of this autism world, hearing our voices, whether that's mine as a provider, but more importantly, yours as a parent, it matters. It has an impact. And sometimes the biggest judgment in doing this comes from fear or uncertainty. What will people think if I'm speaking out? Now, episode six talked about asking for permission before you start educating. Do that. Still follow along with that. Ask for people's permission to educate, but don't let your fear and uncertainty and worry about judgment of others keep you back from helping to change the voice and the narrative within this field. Sometimes helping people to see things differently is the change that is needed in our world. They just simply need to be taught differently. And so your voice could make a huge impact. And then what about your own life? Is the story you're telling yourself over and over again that there's no space for you? Is that status quo for you? Oh, I'm a mother first. I only serve my children. That's my top priority. I'll have time for myself in the future. Challenge that status quo. You deserve that. And the reality is that is not true. Now, as a parent of an autistic child, are you balancing more? Do you have a bigger mental load? Absolutely. It's not as simple as just being like, oh, make time for yourself. But what I'm saying with this is challenge your thought pattern. Do you find yourself constantly making excuses for crossing yourself off the to-do list, for putting yourself on the back burner? And the other piece of this is, is your self-worth tied in your achievement? And maybe your achievement is like, what can you help your child achieve, right? Are you so hyper fixated on that, that you know, that's adding additional stress. You care so much about your child, but are you putting extra pressure on yourself? Are you also numbing out your emotions? Maybe too, like I said, you're superimposing goals on other people. Maybe it's causing stress for your family overall, right? This is gonna be hard to hear, but maybe your other children are feeling like all you care about is your autistic child's progress. Are you creating space for other people to exist in your life and be important? Are you creating space for yourself to exist in your life and feel important? And sometimes, again, we get in that to-do mode, in that accomplishment mode, and that we miss the overall goal of all of this. If I had gotten hyper fixated on every little single thing I need to do, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't have launched this podcast. So keep in mind that sometimes Actually, most times messy action is better than nothing. You're gonna learn along the way. Just like you're learning about autism through your child's journey, you're gonna learn along the way. You're gonna make mistakes and some of that is embracing those mistakes. And lastly, you deserve help. You deserve to feel seen, heard, and supported in a way beyond your child's needs. Are you getting that support? Are you looking for opportunities that you can feel that? And so maybe that's working with a therapist or a coach like myself to really help support you through this journey. The status quo of the field is very focused on the child's needs, which is important, 
but we need to start to shift the status quo that it's focused on the entire family. I think often other forgotten people in this are siblings of autistic children and what they experience. So to wrap up this episode, this is my story. I want to hear your story too. So I want you to connect with me. Let me know. Send me a DM. I absolutely love connecting with people. I share my story today so you can get to know me that I'm not just some random voice. Like let you in on my world. Let you in on my hardships. And today was more focused on that growth piece. But I hope you took lessons and insights that create an impact for you. And I want to connect with you just so you know, even if you don't think my services are right for you, that's completely fine. This podcast is intended first and foremost to serve you and provide a safe space for you to learn. And so I don't expect that if you reach out to me, you connect with me over this podcast that you're automatically going to become a patient or client. That's not why I launched this podcast. I launched this podcast because I knew that it is hard to get information. And my, my joy is being able to serve you in this way. And I'm also going to say this, I truly am proud of myself. I finally have learned to celebrate my wins. And this was a growth area for me. I look back and see how my circumstances were completely different a year ago. And it would have been easy to chug along, to keep going. Here's the thing though, I need to celebrate this, just like you need to celebrate your wins. Sometimes we forget to pause and look at progress. And this is really important for all of us to do. So I leave you with this, just a little reminder. Status quo is one of the most dangerous factors we face. It keeps us stuck. It consumes our creativity and innovation. It creates resentment. Your child deserves better than that. You deserve better than that, and your family deserves better than that. All right, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Evolve with Dr. Tay. Thank you for listening to my personal story. And like I said, I hope you take some lessons and insights. And the biggest thing that I hope you take out of this is hope. And also that you can see on the other side of this podcast microphone is I'm invested in helping you through this journey and it is my absolute pleasure. So thank you for being here and listening. If you find yourself listening to these episodes and finding value, come join the Evolve Facebook group. Each week I record podcast episodes live in that community and host a Q&A after each episode. You get access to engage with me, plus you can connect with other like-minded autism parents. It is a community designed for you to feel seen, heard, and supported as a parent of an autistic child and introduces you to my whole family approach. The group is linked in the show notes. I will be back next week with another real conversation about all things autism and your family life. Be sure to hit the plus or follow button in the podcast platform that you are listening to right now. This will notify you when the next episode is live. Catch you all later.